Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this morning to Milwaukee's philanthropic community. Brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. Our topic of discussion today is about something we at Ellen Becker are very passionate about, and that's financial literacy, not only in our young people, but also for anyone else who finds themselves unfamiliar with ways to make smart money choices and build positive financial habits. So we're going to talk economics. Okay, don't turn the station. <laughs> I understand that word may turn many people off and may actually have, some people may actually have nightmares about econ classes in high school or college. But just think about how many times each day each of us has to make choices about a financial matter. Like it or not, that's, that's economics. Now, we aren't going to take a deep dive into micro and macroeconomics, but we will talk about some basic things that are actually part of this economics concept. How many of you have a child constantly asking you for money? That would actually be a great opportunity to have a conversation about the importance of a job, a savings account, building credit. Maybe you're sending your child off to college and discussing expenses or loan options. 2019 data shows 54% of college students are taking on debt with an average amount of a little over 35000 per borrower. So if you don't get a handle on it and figure out a timely payback schedule, you're going to carry that debt well into adulthood. In fact, there are just over 14% of adults that are still carrying a student loan. Trust me, once you start having kids, you don't want to add a student loan to the long list of expenses, right? So what do you do? Well, education is important. Planning, more education, execution of your plan, and still more education. Joining me today to help us understand how they're contributing to this education process is Bob Glowacki, Executive Director of Economics Wisconsin. Welcome to the show today, Bob. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having us. Education is key. We understand that, right? Ideally, before we get out into the working world, right? And the earlier we start, the better. So why is it important that Economics Wisconsin improve economic and personal finance education in our schools? Well, Jill, uh, simply uh, more kids take band than take economics in high school. So when they're graduating from high school, what are they using? What is their rubric to figure out how to make personal decisions? We believe economics is the study of incentives, and those incentives help us uh, to decide what we should and shouldn't do, the opportunity cost involved, like you were talking about college. And so what we do is promote that economic thinking and economics in the school systems, wanting teachers to have the resources they need to teach it well, and to give our students confidence uh, in understanding the world they're going to be walking into. So you actually at Economics Wisconsin go out and educate the educators. Yes, it, you know, it might be surprising. Most teachers in social studies, which is where economics usually lies, uh, have never had a course in economics or maybe a brief one in high school. So they don't have the learning that they might have uh, in, in like compared to U.S. history. And so we provide the professional development through conferences, through webinars, and through free resources that give them the tools to teach economics, not just as a lecture, but also through simulations and games so students actually see how uh, the world works in, in in a fun way. So you go out to the schools then, or do the schools come to you? 
both. Uh, Teachers come to us for conferences and other webinars, but then we go right into the classroom with great things like our stock market game and our econ challenge. Uh, The stock market game allows kids from fourth grade on to play the markets, to get $100,000, invest it, learn the value of compound interest, and also uh, understand the power of investing, putting that money away, seeing it grow, and learning those investment words that they're going to have when they come here to Ellen Becker and ask, uh, meet with their financial advisor. They're not going to be intimidated. They're going to be able to ask the right questions and understand what the costs are associated with investing, but also the benefits. And you know, when kids think about investing, I think they get overwhelmed. You know, when that maybe maybe some kids are thinking economics is is equivalent to investing and mutual funds and stocks and that kind of thing. But we had talked about basic things like savings and spending and loans and credit scores. So you guys teach about mm-hmm. that as well. I mean, it's not just. uh, It's basic concepts as well. Correct. And most of the time when we look at personal finance and those individual kind of discussions, uh, it goes to um, the larger macro that people really understand. For example, if the Fed lowers or hires interest rates, what will that mean to my mortgage? What will that mean to my credit card? Uh, If the government's proposing tax uh, breaks or raising taxes, what is the government trying to accomplish by doing that? How would that benefit me? How would that cost me? We all would like to pay less in taxes, but we also know there's a certain level we need to pay. But usually when government's turning to tax breaks, that means they want to stimulate the economy. Does a student understand how those concepts at the macro level affect them at their micro level budget? Uh, As well as we were talking a little bit, whether it be money, time, they're scarce. Uh, One of the basic things of economics is every resource is scarce on our planet. And so how do we use those resources? And what are the choices we have? And that's called the opportunity cost. If I go ahead and choose this path, you know, if I'm a student and I'm making choices about even uh, studying for the next exam, if I spend time with my friends, if I go and do other things rather than studying, what's the opportunity cost? If it's three weeks away from your next exam, it's not very high. If it's two days before, now you're getting <laughs> to a point where it's, it could cost you in your grades. So if students apply some of those same uh, lessons in their thinking, apply it to their money uh, and also apply it to uh, something that they may have learned early in life called a money script, which is an idea early in life of understanding how people value or think of money. And one of the strongest um, ways for grow, to grow wealth, the strongest script, is called money vigilance, meaning a person almost uh, has respect for money, but also understands, has anxiety, understanding that it could be taken away. So what do they do? They save, they invest, because they're not always counting on the future that money's going to keep rolling in. They think, well, what if I lost my job for a while? Or what if something happened and the stock market went down or the value of my home? They change the way in which they behave in order to save that bit because they're anxious. And we wouldn't want them to be so anxious they're afraid to spend and become one of those people who wants to split a check when they're at McDonald's. <laughs> uh, but but we do want them to say, hey, there's, there's things where I need to hold some money back and maybe I need to go to a – Uh, go to a cheaper vacation and save a little money because I'm putting away for college, I'm putting away for retirement, I'm putting away uh, for my future, whatever that might be. Get the the macchiato at McDonald's instead of at Starbucks, right? Exactly. Sorry, Starbucks. I mean, they're (laughs) both very good, but, you know, making decisions. But I think also understanding compounding interest, something as basic as that Mm -hmm. 
uh, for kids to understand that they can make money without doing anything. And, and that's one of the things that comes out of the stock market game is the idea of compound interest. And Einstein said, uh, supposedly, there is no force in the universe more powerful than compound interest. Mm. Um, and was interesting, the same article I looked at that said, the first person to mention things around compound interest goes back to 1494 oh uh, in a mathematics uh, manual uh, by a friar. But the idea that you know that there's a rate of return, and in that rate of return, uh, with a, you know divided by 72, you would be doubling your investment. Looking that on a long time horizon is almost every 401k converse, uh, con- conversation starts with, well, if you put money in today, what will that look like 30 years from now? If you do it at 20 versus if you did it at 40, it's a very different number. Even saving for your kid's college uh, and other education, starting literally when they're a baby, when you get those first baptism gifts and putting those money that money away is going to give your child a, quite a different start than if you waited until they're 18 or 10. And, and on top of it, if you start talking about putting money away for the future, you're telling your child, you expect a future out of them, whether it be education, uh, either secondary education, a four-year college or two, or any type of training as an apprentice. You're saying there is going to be a work world. You need to prepare for it. And you're setting that example right away, that money script. Putting money away, you're demonstrating it as a parent, as the first teacher. I think that's a, that's a great example, you know, that we, we are our kids' first first teacher and and we can lead by example and you know just to help kids understand when they get their first job or maybe a gift at their uh for their birthday or you know any kind of income source that if they put 10 percent in a savings account you know Mm -hmm. just just to to get into that habit i think it's important so just quickly do you do you also provide education for younger than high school or, or are the programs that you're teaching just for high school our programs are k through 12 like the stock market game starts at fourth grade uh uh, we also have something that we do with some schools called mini economy, which is turning the whole classroom into an, an economy. So the okay. teacher pays students for the chores they do around uh, the classroom. Uh, but there's also costs like paying for your desk, paying for your Chromebook if you have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they learn first they have to pay for things before they get to buy things. And so that mini economy is a really cool program. Uh, probably some people, you know, it, it, it's kind of the rewards that you might get um, in setting up uh, – in setting up a, a behavioral modification, but it is something to show kids. Like there was one kid I met uh, in one of our mini economies. His name was Nathan, and Nathan started uh, came up to me, introduced himself. I mentioned it to his teacher how polite he was and thoughtful, and she said, "You know, it's kind of funny. Nathan asked me for a raise in his job." I said. <laughs> said he did? What did you do? She goes, well, I made him write it out, why he thought he deserved it. And he gave me some reasons that he did his job ahead of time. He gave a lot of care to it. And he and it was important to him, unlike other students. And she gave him the raise. Nice. Uh, that kid's going to grow up to be a CEO or something. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's going to teach him a very basic lesson. you know. And again, you turn that into a larger economic lesson. You got the first one learning that if I work hard, I'll get rewarded. Secondly, is the idea of in the, the economic sphere, uh, if we increase productivity, then our economy grows. And as it grows, more people get higher wages. Why? Because we're producing more as an economy, as a country. And so those little lessons of the microeconomy become lessons for the macro, which is the, the greater economy, because we're all just – economics is nothing more than the aggregate of all of our individual decisions. Well, and, and like we talked about, it's important to teach these concepts at a young age. It's so critical. You know, even though most Gen Zers, and that's kids born after 1995 – most of them say they're concerned about financial literacy, but guess how many still rely on mom and dad and family for financial guidance? Stay tuned to find out. We'll be right back. 
Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Bob Glowacki from uh, Economics Wisconsin. Okay, Bob, so most Gen Zers, again, that's kids born after 1995, are concerned about financial literacy, and yet there are still so many that still rely on mom and dad for financial guidance uh, and and money. So how many are we talking about here? 84% still rely on their parents as far as guiding their decision-making and, and finance, which parents are a great resource. But on the other hand, these kids are moving into a world that maybe you didn't enter when you first came in as you make decisions about retirement, uh, HSA or fully insured health insurance plan. Um, the, the terminology involved in health care enough are, are difficult and they contribute a lot as to how much take-home pay you have and also how much risk you're taking. And so uh, these elements and counting on parents it can be problematic and why it's important that these students get this kind of training in high school and it's a constant discourse. Um, even more, people have to make decisions. Every election cycle is largely about pocketbook issues. So, But there's a cost with everything that we do, from a tax cut to a tax hike to increasing in different programs. How do they look at those different proposals? How do they, what, what do they use as their decision-making? Do they understand the costs involved? Or do they think, you know, for example, money does grow on trees? <laughs> um, if so, we'll, we'll probably be poorer for it. Um, it's really hard, as far as I'm concerned, the economics or personal finance. I think it's hard to really t- uh, look at the news stories of the day and look at the headlines and be completely illiterate to that and not understanding what actions the Fed or the government is taking and you not having a clue what that means to you as a person. And I think we as parents can help our kids understand that by just having conversations. So you're sitting around and you're watching whatever news channel you watch and the stories of the day come up and and then having that, going that extra step to have a conversation with your kids about what does that mean to you? Because I think kids nowadays, um, uh, you know, they think about what's going on out in the world and that it doesn't have any impact on them. And again, we talked about how every day, decisions um, play into this this whole economics concept and, and how important that is. So I think we as parents are crucial in helping our kids to understand that. So um, how can people, parents, grandparents, uh, ensure that their kids and grandkids are getting a background then in economics and personal finance? I think, first of all, it is to talk about the family checkbook, uh, saying that there's scarce resources. Let them understand that. Uh, Secondly, uh, you know, you could include your children in vacation planning. Where are we going to go? Here's the cost in different places. Should we go to a cheaper hotel? Well, that means we can spend more time uh, at the amusement park versus maybe Mm -hmm. we could have spend less. Have them kind of deal with some of those as well as talk about your own way and look what you look at money because, folks, they're listening. They're watching when you buy the next shiny object. They're watching uh, if you're spending your money and not saving or if they don't see you saving or you don't talk about it. They're not realizing what maybe you're doing for their future. And when it comes to that big opportunity cost called college where you're taking four to six years of education in order to make more money in the future, you hope, uh, or choosing a trade route, it's important to have those conversations as to what is the cost, what do you expect to make when you get out of school, uh, and looking at what debt you might be carrying and how you'd need to pay that off. Maybe it means living at home with mom and dad for a year and cutting into that debt. But again, the opportunity cost, if I can cut down that loan in the short term, I'm going to be happy in the long term, even if I have to uh, live with some rules I don't like, like coming home early at night. (laughs) 
And there's there's programs out there that kids can tap into to help them understand debt uh, for college. You know, if I get into this uh, vocation, uh, what might I expect to earn? And, and if I take a loan, you know, what does that look like? Um, it's nice also to incent our kids. I know uh, with, with our three kids, we said, you know, a certain grade point will earn a certain um, extra uh, amount of money, and, mm-hmm. and you can pay back the Bank of e- Economo, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not take as long to do that. Um, so incentives, mm-hmm. I think, are key as well. Great. Yeah, I would agree. And and what we have as an organization, anybody come to our website, there certainly are resources that people can tap into, uh, not only ours, but other partner organizations that we work with. We're happy to share the information because, uh, you know, one of the things that we do have is a number of lesson plans on college planning uh, and, and helping students to better understand it. There's plenty of, of things out there as far as people to tap into. Again, it's really with parents having that conversation. I did experience in my uh, daughter's search for a college, we had some hard conversations about what as a family could afford and what we we're going to be able to do for her. I, I saw other folks uh, do uh, go on long trips across the country looking at colleges and ending up staying very local because in the end they never got the scholarships they expected. And, and they I, looked at what it costs for out-of-state tuition. Exactly. <laughs> but you can imagine how deflating that was for someone who was looking to live in the big cities out east and all of a sure. sudden ending out in, in uh, a, a suburb of Milwaukee. Uh, and so I, I think those are the costs. You'd rather have that conversation because even traveling around the country costs money uh, and having a real uh, understanding of what it costs to live in another city and whether you can afford that and what debt might look like if that magic scholarship doesn't come through. They're out there, but they're never going to pay for 100% of your education. Yeah. I, I think the, you know, we've t- been talking a lot about how everybody can take part in this education process. You know, parents, grandparents, teachers. You actually shared with me, Bob, a UW-Madison study that confirmed that more than 80% of teachers don't feel confident teaching personal finance. And only one in five adults actually took a personal finance class in school. So we can't rely, we parents cannot rely on the teachers alone. We can guide our kids to maybe take a personal finance class uh, to start out with maybe or in addition to doing some things at home to educate. And again, real world experience, right? Exactly. Anything you can do to help your students understand, uh, you know, even with their first job, you know, First conversation, even when they work at a fast food restaurant, how much you're putting away in savings. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what you can spend. I mean, my kids got tr- so trained pretty much every birthday or party. They just said, here's the check, Dad. I know it's going in the college <laughs> account. Uh, because I said to them, what, I'm paying for everything. What in the world do you need this money for? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they had something they're really saving for, I would have uh, supported that. But in the most part, we actually, you know, took, we take care of most of our kids' needs. So it's a little bit different than maybe when we were younger and mom and dad would never spring for a bike. Uh, if we're doing that, then maybe they should be thinking that should be a gift. If we're able to do that for our kids, then maybe it's to look to the future. If you can't do that for your kids, I think saving for a bike is a great way to start to begin it, uh, to begin that, or an Air Jordan or anything like that. At least they're starting to understand the value of paying for things uh, by saving versus taking it out on credit and paying it back later, which you know that doesn't really work very well. Right. And, and to have a conversation about needs versus wants. Yes, at the very best basic level, that's what it's about. And actually, in the new personal finance standards that the state is putting out uh, for schools, needs and wants is a second grade level. So if your <laughs> high schooler is still trying to figure out what their needs and wants are, they're behind a few grades. <laughs> Well, there's something that takes place usually every spring uh, that'll help in this education process. Um, We don't have a lot of time left, but you want to tell us about that? 
Money Smart Week is one of the things that we belong to, to work with the larger community, uh, to give people lifelong lessons, starting with the youngest kids uh, all the way up to seniors, to talk about money. Because at every age, there's a question as to how you're going to live your life and how money impacts that, uh, whether you're a senior citizen, whether you're saving for college or secondary education, or whether you're a child deciding whether you should go to the store and buy candy. Uh, making those kind of decisions are important, and we're part to be partners with UIDA, uh, who you'll hear from soon. Uh, and be able to reach out across our community to highlight saving and investing for the future through Money Smart Week. So uh, for listeners out there, maybe they're a teacher, maybe they're a parent, maybe they're a grandparent, or maybe they're a kid themselves that is saying, okay, I want to learn more about what's available. Who would they reach out to and what's the contact information? Well, you're welcome to come to our website uh, at www.ewwcee.org. Or, Say that one more time. That is or you can go to www.economicswisconsin.org or okay. Google us. And we'll be glad to give you an opportunity. There's We have plenty of resources on our page uh, t- for groups that we work with as well as some of the things we offer. You can also advocate within your school system to make uh, personal finance courses mandatory. Or even, you know, let's say during a career week that there's a piece on financial education, not just talking about careers, but how you're going to fund them and what, how you're going to spend your money. So talk to your school board members. Talk to local officials because this is our future. Uh, there's a number of these kids uh, with student debt, about 11% are right now defaulting on student loans. That could cost all of us. So let's be at the front end of things with education. And that starts both at home early in life, but then in the schools and having that conversation of what are you doing to prepare my son or daughter for the future? Wow. Well, lots of good information out there. Thank you for joining us today, Bob. Appreciate your input and your expertise in the area of this idea of economics. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. So now we know that Gen Zers are concerned about financial literacy, but there's still over 80% that are still asking mom and dad for guidance and in many cases money. What about the other generations? Statistics show that 40% of Americans across the board, regardless of generation, have less than $1,000 in savings. Almost one quarter of Americans have no savings at all. And no surprise that 40% don't even keep a budget. One driving factor, lack of financial literacy. Stay tuned to hear how another nonprofit is working to educate kids and adults on this important economic concept. We'll be right back after our commercial break. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest on the show today is Constance Alberts, who is the program manager from the Urban Economic Development Association, otherwise known as UIDA. Thanks for joining us today, Constance. Thank you, Jill, for having me. Pretty staggering statistics, Constance. 40, 40% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings, and 23% have no savings at all. 40% don't use a budget. You know, we could go on and on. The point is that we're sorely lacking in this area of education, and it's having devastating effects. We've been talking with Bob Gowacki from Economics Wisconsin about the importance of teaching kids about money at a young age. Um, I remember talking to my mom about what I perceived as my parents' lack of instruction in this regard. And she said she just assumed we were learning by watching, you know, how they did things. Uh, 
they didn't say, you know, sit down, do this, don't do that. Um, that could be a good or a bad thing. It was actually good for the most part in our house because my mom was a stickler for budgeting. She knows how much she spent on a pack of gum in 1965, for pity's sake. I mean, she really got this budgeting thing down to a T. But that generation known as the traditionalists or the silent generation, which uh, my mom is one, uh, they learn by observing, do as I do kind of thing. You know, one dad was quoted as saying, it's like teaching a kid how to ride a bike. We didn't send them to a class or get them a book on balance and motion. We put their butts on a bike and let them scrape their knees a little bit. In other words, learn by doing. Uh, there's a generational difference chart out there that actually shows that the traditionalist motto for money is put it away, pay cash, and save. The baby boomer's motto is buy now, pay later, money is status. Generation X are cautious and conservative and, and saved and believed money is a means to an end. And the millennials earn to spend. Today is payoff. Now, of course, these are just generalities, but the idea is that all generations think differently when it comes to money. And we're going to talk about that in, in more uh, detail. But Constance, tell us about the Urban Economics Development Association, or UIDA. When and why did it come to be? Well, the Urban Economic Development Association is about a 15-year-old nonprofit organization that is composed of memberships. And the reason that UWIDA came into um, being is looking at how do we support communities, how do we support neighborhoods, how do we support businesses in regard to developing financial equity, in regard to understanding business, in regard to capacity. And so when you look at UWIDA, we really are looking at where do we fall in regard to helping people get where they want to be. And so a lot of that has to do with starting at the groundwork. And when you look at the ground, it's like a, a grassroots organization if, if you would look at it like that. And so what we do is we come alongside organizations, individuals, companies, and we provide assistance. That assistance can be in capacity building. That assistance can be in supporting home ownership. It could be in looking at personal finances, financial literacy. And all of this has a lot to do with money. Money is the biggest factor for everyone. It doesn't matter if you are a young person, a seasoned person, you're running a business, you're running an organization, it all has to do with money. And so what we do at UWIDA is that we help organizations and individuals move to that next level. And in your role, you are connecting people to resources, right? You had explained to me that you sometimes go to the banks and find out, you know, what, what resources they have and how they can provide help to your clients. We have a great membership. Yes. We have a great membership. Our membership includes community-based organizations. It includes financial educators. It includes uh, lenders. It includes businesses. And so what we do is I like to say we're the connector. We connect all of these organizations, and we have this conversation as to how do you help your neighbor. And being able to look at the resources that financial uh, lenders have, 
looking at communities, what resources they have, and how do we bring that to the people. Uh, A lot of times there are great opportunities, great resources out there, and you just don't know where to turn. Mm -hmm. And so what UWIDA does is we help to bring that membership together. So our membership includes financial uh, lenders. It includes real estate. It includes lenders. It includes community-based organization. It includes city, state, and local government. And again, being able to bring everyone together is really what our mission is. Mm. And how long have you guys been around? We have been around for over 15 years. And every single year we find that we're able to do more and more because of our members. Our members really do help to facilitate the things that we do around the city. We have emerging topics. Uh, We talk a lot about diversity. We talk a lot about inclusion. And so being able to work with individuals and groups has been essential to growing the financial equity in our city. And again, talking about the importance of education at a young age, you know, there, there's a, uh, a survey out that was done in April 2019 uh, with 1,500 adults about growing up without financial education and its impact. You want to talk about that? Well, Jill, you said something that was really interesting, that your, your parents had this philosophy and how your mom had her finger on the pulse. Um, a lot of families don't have that. A lot of families are really hesitant to have this conversation about money, and that's because no one had that conversation with them. And so being able to take that look at that household uh, is so important to uh, give people an opportunity to learn. Sometimes it can be a very intimidating thing when you talk about money, especially in a family situation. And so being able to have this conversation on a really basic level, and it really has a lot to do with what's happening in the family. A lot of times we don't talk about money unless there's a reason to talk about money, unless there's a situation that's happening. Uh, Bob mentioned a lot about education. That is such a vital, important thing. And a lot of times the people say, well, I'm hoping that you're learning that in school. And sometimes you may not be learning it in school. You may be learning it um, at home. But again, you have a whole group of people that are not going to have this conversation over Thanksgiving dinner yeah. in regard to spending. And so being able to have that conversation, a lot of times when you hear the word budget, people draw back like, oh, my God, not a budget. So we, <laughs> we really like to talk about spending because that's exactly what we do. We spend. And so having educators and community-based organizations where you're coming together and you're talking about personal finances is extremely important. The younger you can start talking about it, the better it's going to be overall. A lot of families have said that they never talked about financing. And so if you never talked about credit, you never talked about spending, you never talked about budgeting, you never talked about college education, Mm -hmm. you never talked about how am I going to get that very first car, and should it really be the car that has all the bells and whistles, or should it be the car that I can really afford to put gas in? Right, right, and that will get me from point A to point B. Absolutely. <laughs> At least your first one, right? Absolutely. The The survey showed that nearly a third of Americans who didn't talk about money management as children, they typically, their their annual income was typically, again, less than 50000 a year. So there's a direct correlation there. Absolutely. And so when you think about it, you're you're looking at 
if I'm only making X amount of dollars, what do I do with that money? And so if I don't have any background, if I don't have any foundation that says, how do I save? How do I invest? How do I really take effect of the 401k? A lot of times people leave money on the table because they don't understand that that 401k is one of the best ways to save money without it costing you anything. Mm-hmm. And so being able to have that conversation or if I if I take this job, what does it really mean overall? Will I be able to buy a mortgage based on the income that I have if I've had a lot of credit card debt? That's really going to affect my ability to buy a mortgage. If I have a really large student loan debt, that's going to affect my ability to, to, to move to the next level. So, again, being able to understand how your initial income impacts your everyday life and your future is very important. Yeah, and, and talking about student loan debt, um, again, the survey said $1.5 trillion in the United States in, in student loan debt. That just blows my mind. And in terms of retirement, in 2000, 12% of Americans over the age of 64, and that's roughly 4 million workers, were still working. And that number increased to 20% or roughly over 10 million workers this year. Why is that? Well, people are concerned about not having enough money in retirement, and they don't. You know that, So you're talking about educating people to what does it mean to invest in a 401k, and what does it look like in retirement? I think kids, a lot of kids are live for today, right? Um, the YOLO philosophy, you know, they don't think beyond today. And, and if we can get them to think long term, uh, plan for tomorrow, live for today, as the saying goes. So um, we're going to talk about some ways that we can do that. Real world experience has been identified as the key in understanding financial financial topics. Kind of like that dad who said, put your kid on the bike and let him fall a little so he can learn, right? Absolutely. What are, yeah. What are some of the ways that we can do this? Um, stay tuned, and Constance is going to talk about what UIDA is doing to help. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community. With your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. And I'm talking today with Constance Alberts, who is a program manager from UIDA, the Urban Economic Development Association. So, Constance, UIDA is active in this Money Smart Week program. Um, tell us more about that. Well, what we actually do, UIDA, again, we are a membership organization, but we also look at coalitions and coalitions in regard to financial empowerment. And so Money Smart Week is really um, a program that was developed through the Federal Reserve um, over 15 years ago. And so what it's really meant to do is to give consumers better ideas around managing their personal finances. And so what we do every single year uh, in the spring is we have a variety of activities that we promote. And that really looks at uh, kids even like K-5 or K-4. And sometimes people are saying, why in the world would you talk to a K-4 or K-5 about money? Well, because they spend money. <laughs> they spend money when they go to this grocery store or to the department store. They're always asking, Mom, can I get this? Mom, can I get that? And then you have all the way to the other spectrum of 
I like to call it seasoned. Sometimes people say we're seniors, but I like to say that we're seasoned. <laughs> and so we talk about seasons and, and, again, what does that really look like? So with Money Smart, again, it really looks at what kind of conversation are you having with young people? What kind of conversations are you having with seniors? And is everything in the middle? So everyone else is in the middle. And so we have activities throughout the entire city. We also produce a resource guide that is a year-round resource guide that is packed with information. It's packed with information and other community organizations that people can go to. It also has this really wonderful thing that I love. It has information where you can actually go online. One of the things, that, and I'm not a football fan. I'm, I'm sorry I'm not. <laughs> my, You're not going to sport a cheese hat or anything like uh, that? My son uh, <laughs> went to college, and he went to college down south, and he, of course, is a Packer fan. So he definitely had to represent uh, not only Milwaukee, but his household when he went down <laughs> south for college. And so one of the things that we have seen online is, is called financial football. And so what it does, it has different players, and you answer different questions online. And based on how you answer those questions, you get the run up the field. And I'm assuming it's called score a goal or a touchdown. That's what it's called. <laughs> you do a touchdown. Well, there is a field goal. You can yes. score a field goal so, or a touchdown. So all of those things that relating to sports, you have that opportunity to do. So, again, nice. it is so awesome to be able to have kids interactive with understanding finances. They, there's another one. It's uh, Sesame Street. So it talks about adding and subtracting, which, again, is money. So lovely way to start young people. And then you're looking at everyone in the middle, being able for people to do a lot of things online. You would be surprised how many seasoned people go online to review information. And so being able to have that. You have uh, things for students where they can, again, go online and see what it costs for college. You have uh, middle school. You have people who are trying to buy a home, being able to understand what it means to have debt-to-income ratios and what it looks like to say, well, you need 3% down. Well, what is 3% and how much can I really afford? So a lot of the information in the resource guide is really uh, available online as well. And with, uh, I think the latest statistic was like 8,000 homeschooled kids um, out there in in the state of Wisconsin. So, you know, we need to have these at-home options. So knowing what is all out there is awesome. And you're saying that these various resources are available on this resource guide? Right. It is called Money Smart Milwaukee, and you can actually Google that. And when it comes up, you actually are able to look at the, the resource guide online. And they have, inside the resource guide, there are links to a variety of different uh, activities. Uh, last year, um, some of the schools are, are really looking at how do we uh, have social studies and economics around money. And so being able to have each classroom have something in relationship to money, uh, young people will have the opportunity to write an essay. 
they had an, an opportunity to talk about what is it like if someone can't work and how do they pay their bills. And so getting kids to start thinking about that and if you're homeschooled, you also have that opportunity because you still have those resources that you can make an, an assignment. It can be talking about social studies and and how does that relate to everyday life. Mm-hmm. And so, again, being able to have those resources are, are really important. And where do they go to get that resource, guys? So you would go to Money Smart Milwaukee www.moneysmartmilwaukee and it actually takes you to our website which is UWIDA and again it has a lot of different programming and so it allows people to go in find the resource and then also find the link to the resource guide one of the things that we do every year is the um, Milwaukee public school system and the library actually looks at every um, IT and every um, internet access to make sure it's still valid. So every year we go through and make sure that these websites are still providing the same information that we're promoting in the the guide. Okay. Well, and I think, too, it's, it's important for parents to understand that, um, you know, maybe instead of watching TV, they can play a game with their kid because Monopoly, that's a great game to teach money concepts, right? I love Monopoly. <laughs> I, I just love I, I you know what I really like is playing with money. And when you play with money, especially in that environment, it's a safe environment because yeah. everyone needs to feel safe and when you're talking about money and when you're talking about handling money. And it allows young people to have this ability to really have that conversation that if I buy two houses as opposed to one hotel Mm-hmm. Will I have money to get out of to go around and buy Park Place? And so again, it the coveted w- Park Place. Who who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> and so being able to have that conversation, I, I think, is great. But also, what it does, it allows families and parents to feel comfortable with having that conversation because so often people are hesitant to have the conversation because they're saying, "I don't know enough." And being able to have the resource guide, it helps them to really find that information that they've been wanting to ask the question. And sometimes it's difficult to ask the question out loud to a person. But if you can go online and have a trusted resource, it's a lot better for everyone. Yeah, and we talk about how learning by doing is really key. You know, there's studies done that say that that really is a great way to learn. And there's a lot of simulation games and programs out there. I know there's one on investing that, you know, you're not investing real money. You're kind of testing the waters and doing a simulation. So that's important to know all those things that are out there. Um, So we all agree about the importance of financial literacy. Bob Golaki has been talking about it. Constance, you've been talking about it. So given that, um, we think it's important and we want to share the wide range of resources that are available. How do you, over and above what we talked about, we've talked about some, how do you and your partners try to connect with people on personal finance? Well, one of the things that we definitely want it to be is user-friendly. We try to have fun in everything that we do. We listen to the audience that we are giving that presentation to. We work a lot in the community. We work with a lot of um, Safe and Sound, the Boys and Girls Club, the YWCA, MPS, uh, a lot of community organizations. We work with them in regard to meeting the needs of the people that they're serving. And so a lot of it has to do with listening 
and then providing that special information in regard to the people that we're serving. And so, again, we like for it to be fun. We like for it to be interactive. We have... um, uh, like a, a family feud type game or a Jeopardy game mm. that even adults like that mm-hmm. because everyone wants to win. Right. right. And so being <laughs> it can able to be very to, competitive. And I, I learning love at the same that. Time. <laughs> I love that. We we have a spending where we'll give um, adults X amount of dollars to spend. And we talk about the things that you don't usually think about. When you go to the gas station, sometimes you get more than gas. Mm. So that's money out of your pocket. Everyone has holidays that you spend money on. Do you actually budget for those holidays? No, we usually just spend the money. And so being able to really do uh, real life things with people has been very successful for us. Wonderful. Well, uh, if people want to reach out to UEDA or the Urban Economic Development Association, you want to give a phone number or what's the best way for people to reach out to you? The best way is to actually go online and it's www.uweda.com. U-E-D-A-W-I dot gov. Okay. And just you can uh, send us an email. You can check out our website. It also has our phone number on it. And we are always available to answer questions. And one, as I said in the very beginning, I'm the connector. And we are the connector. And so if there's something that you're looking for or some programming that you need or you want to bring together groups, you will actually reach out to us and we'll make sure that that happens. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being here today, Constance. Appreciate you sharing your expertise uh, on how we can help to uh, increase this idea of uh, the knowledge around the area of financial education and literacy. Jill, thank you very much for having us. You are welcome. And I want to thank again Bob Glowacki, Executive Director of Economics Wisconsin. Thanks both of you to, uh, uh, for sharing your, your knowledge and your expertise in this effort that we're all trying to, uh, to contribute to, to to make our youth money smart, right? If you would like further information about what we talked about today or you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 to learn more about some great people doing great things in our community. You can either tune in on the AM dial, AM 1130, or you can go to News Talk 1130 on your computer or your tablet. You can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. Uh, Or you can visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows. And you can also listen on demand. If you're outside of the immediate area, you can uh, listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. I hope you found the information we shared today helpful as far as how you can use your passion and your purpose to help others in some way, in this case, financial literacy. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful Sunday.